0: How does a young Catholic professional live an authentic faith life? And how can we see the dignity of professional work? Is faith compatible with success? Join us today as we explore these questions and many more with Peter Blute, who is the Chief Operating Officer for the Young Catholic Professionals Organization. I'm Father Dave Pavanka, and I'm President of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Welcome to Franciscan University presents. I'm your host, Father Dave Pavanka. I'm president of Franciscan University in Stoumville, and today we're discussing forming young Catholic leaders. I'm joined by our regular panelists, Dr. Regis Martin, who is a professor of systematic theology here at Franciscan University, and Dr. Scott Hahn, who is the Father Michael Scanlon Professor of Biblical Theology and the New Evangelization here at Franciscan. And I'm pleased to welcome our guest, uh, Mr. Peter Blute. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Young Catholic Professionals, which is the largest network of young professional Catholics in the United States. Peter manages the organization's national and chapter operations, the expansion efforts, the branding and marketing efforts, the volunteer support, and has much to offer the needs of the strength to strengthen young Catholic adults. Peter, what don't you do with the organization, right? (laughs) A lot to do. I'm
1: surprised you have time for this
0: interview. Yeah, that's right.
2: (laughs) I wouldn't miss it. It's great to be here. It's
0: great. It's really a pleasure to meet you. I've I've been looking forward to this conversation because I think what you and the ministry that you're a part of is doing really good work and it's really, really important IN the culture today. So, maybe a little bit about uh, where you came from and how is it that you got involved
2: in this work? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Texas in Houston in a large, what I would consider a large Catholic family, the oldest of six. Uh, you know, the faith was very much a part of our life growing up. Um, you know, went off to Catholic University and started to drift away from the faith at that point. I think I really had taken it for granted that I had sort of always been in a Catholic environment. And it, it's frankly very easy to be Catholic on a Catholic campus. Um, I, I don't think that I really challenged myself to figure out earlier on in my university experience what my faith was going to be for me as uh, an adult. and. So I, uh, you know, went on after that, uh, got my first job. I was actually working for the university overseas in Italy, in Rome for a couple of years. Had a blast with that experience. <laughs> sure. But here I am living at the center of our faith, outside of Rome, going through the motions. And I I, I was a believer. I never stopped believing, but I was not actually living it. I wasn't feeling it. I didn't have a relationship with God. It was just going through the motions. Mm. And so. Uh, while I had a tremendously, uh, you know, uh, interesting and um, uh, really just fun experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't take advantage of where I was in the way that, uh, that, I, that I would have if I was really engaged in my faith. And so I look back, though, and that was a really powerful time for me because I was getting it all by osmosis, right? Sure. Uh, I just wasn't uh, practicing. It. I wasn't it. engaging with it. In that way. Well, you know, um, Peter,
1: I can speak uh, authoritatively to the experience that you've just recounted. I spent two years uh, teaching in the Rome program yeah. for UD, and I was struck early on by the fact that the students were very bright, uh, endlessly curious, spirited, but very seldom did I see anyone at morning mass. <laughs> they had a chaplain, they had a chapel, but uh, attendance was, was pathetic. And then when I came here, I was thunderstruck by the fact that we have three masses that are oversubscribed. We could probably schedule three or four more. (laughs) Please, let's just, let's... (laughs) There's a limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that was instructive uh, for me. And it it confirmed something that Bernanos once said, that people don't ordinarily lose their faith. They don't become active apostates. They just stop organizing Mm -hmm. their life around that faith. And evidently that happened to you. And I thought that's what you said
0: really, really well, is it just, it just kind of drifted. It just didn't become. and it, That's I think that lukewarmness. That's is really and that's dangerous. really really important. I think my yeah. guess is you're going to say that you see that in
2: a lot of young adults. Yes. Yeah. My story is not unique yeah. by any yeah. means, and I imagine through your alumni and your broader network, you all have experienced of that course. as well. Of um, I, I think, you know, basically the the more recent story is that um, I came to YCP, Young know, Catholic Professionals, just as a as a interested. Uh, sort of uh, person dipping his toe in the water. I knew that I wanted to come back, that I wanted to figure out what my faith was for me, but I didn't have the, the language. I didn't really have the people. So I moved back to Dallas and I didn't have much of a network there because I'd been living, you know, seven time zones away <laughs> for years, right? And so there was uh, certainly a feeling of disconnection, a feeling of a lack of community. Uh, I was lonely. Uh, I think I was probably, you know, in some form depressed. Um, <laughs> And I was grappling with all this and trying to do it alone. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I came to YCP and I came into my first, it was at YCP young, young Catholic, Catholic Professionals. professionals. Okay. Yeah, so call you it YCP for you short. You didn't
1: invent it. You didn't launch it. No, I group. came
2: in a few years after. You uh, found But it. when I came oh. in as a member, you know, I came to my first event. here was 250 young professionals yeah. like me trying to figure out life, trying to figure out their faith. And I was blown away. Was and I came to that event. in Dallas? Yeah. It started in Dallas in 2010. Mm-hmm. So this was very on. It was just a local ministry in Dallas. This oh, that's was cool. It was not a national effort yet. Yeah. So I got involved as a member pretty quickly. I mean, I just, I made some friends really quickly and that drew me in. Um, and then I started volunteering. I took over as the, the head of the volunteer team uh, for the Dallas chapter. And Jennifer Baugh, YCP's founder and our current executive director, she stepped back to a role to be able to start looking at growing the organization because there was interest regionally in that effort. And so I had this whole experience of learning kind of how to actually engage with my faith as an adult, and YCP was the primary catalyst mm-hmm. for that. Um, and then through that experience, I got to work closely with Jennifer. and. Uh, about a year later, she was able to invite me on as the second full-time employee at YCP okay. in uh, 2014. So here I am now, yeah. now years later, uh, and this, it's just had a transformative effect in my life. And
1: well, it must have been a pretty amazing thing if when it began, it instantly uh, uh, enlisted about 250 people in yeah. Dallas. I mean, that's,
2: that's pretty uh, impressive. Well, I think there's a real need, and it struck a nerve with people right. who didn't know where else to go to be able to work on their career trajectory early, early on, right? Our demographic at YCP is 20s and 30s. Our average age is going to be yeah. mid to late 20s, okay. right? So they find YCP coming right out of school, out of college usually, and YCP can be a home for them yeah. when they may not be ready yet as a single person to engage deeply in the sure. The community side of parish mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. right? They're certainly still being fed there with their sacramental life. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, if they're if they're yeah. going yeah. to mass, yeah. right? If they're if they're practicing, uh, but but there's this need to be part of a community where they feel they belong, that speaks to the experience they're having—40, 50, 60 hours a week, when they're most of them in highly secular institutions, right? right? Most of these people are not working at Catholic universities parishes, dioceses, Catholic schools. And so they're grappling with all these things that the world is trying to pull them into, but they know they care about their faith, but how do you translate those two experiences and integrate them?
3: You know, when I heard about the founding of the organization, you know, over 10 years ago, and its expansion, its rapid growth, you know, it struck me that it was so timely, but not just for Dallas, which is somewhat of a magnet for young Catholic professionals, Mm -hmm but so many other parts of the country. I mean, you're 10 years into the, the third millennium, and you realize that something, in a certain sense, something very subtle but seismic has shifted, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm. the tectonic plates of American culture <laughs> are not what they were at all, not even close. And so Catholics are sort of having to regroup and think or rethink how are we going to grow in our faith, but also how are we going to meet other Catholics exactly and then maybe form... Families and that sort of thing, and so yeah. I do believe that this is flourishing yeah. for good reasons. Yeah. You know.
2: yeah. Well, but, it's, it's certainly a, a time in the church for for the lay faithful to engage.
0: Yeah. Right? You mentioned that. Yeah. That that the programs you're offering resonate in in a community in the body. What, what is the vision? What is the vision for young Catholic professionals? What is it? How do they reach people? How do they meet people? Yeah. How are they successful? What does that even look like?
2: Ultimately YCP, the big broad vision is to make modern day saints. And we do that through helping young professionals, we would even say young workers broadly, right. to live and share their Catholic faith. And I want to define that word professional because this mm-hmm. comes up a lot. This is not just professional in the sense that you have to go into an office building and sit at a desk all day. Okay. Right? This is professional in yeah. the broadest sense yeah, of our vocation as would, workers. Would qualify. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's really important. So we have people who come to YCP plumbers, for example. Yeah. I met a plumber at a YCP event, right? Yeah. So they would be just as welcome and have just as oh. much to gain from being at YCP yeah. as someone who works at Well, they're office certainly more downtown. useful than
1: a professor. <laughs> 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 they make more money.
2: Yeah. So so ultimately helping them know their Catholic faith mm-hmm. firstly, right? Yeah. So it's about their faith and their interior life and feeding them in that way. So people helping are you do, them with community. To that
0: end, to know their faith. Yeah. Are you doing catechesis? Is you when you get together as a group, is it catechetical or is, it,
2: is yeah. it or
0: is the focus more being business people?
2: So it's a blend of the two, which is one of the unique components of YCP is that we bridge work and faith. And so some of the ways we do that is through, of course, our really amazing priest chaplains mm-hmm. in each of our chapters. And mm-hmm. so they can talk about you know, they open each of our events with a short reflection on a, a chapter out of the Catechism applied okay. to business, okay, applied cool. to our That's workplaces. Really cool. oh, then we have our speakers that come in, and these are Catholic professionals, well-formed, really zealous for the Catholic faith, who can share about their experience, most of them working in the secular world, how it is as a Catholic, and also how we can approach that or perhaps maybe how they didn't at times early mm-hmm. on in their mm-hmm. career, mm-hmm. and how we can work and witness for Christ. which is YCP's tagline, working in Witness for Christ. So a lot of that teaching comes from those more experienced people who've come before the young professionals that are coming to YCP. So the mentors, the speakers, the board members Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that are investing in the next generation and bringing them up to understand how we engage with the world and the marketplace as Catholics.
3: I mean, those two things... Doctrinal formation, just good, solid doctrine, as well as spiritual formation, how to make time for a life of prayer in the midst of all of this busyness. I mean, you're hard pressed to come up with anything more important for people in their 20s and 30s at this culture too, you know. Um, But it is also a kind of social matrix. I mean, where you're meeting and ending up with close friendships that you didn't have before you were a part of this. And so, I mean, it's one of those things where, how how many towns or cities do we have YCP in
2: now? So, we're in 32 chapters, wow. uh, generally a chapter right now is associated with the city. So, okay. YCP is working to launch chapters in the top 50 largest cities in the country yeah, okay. uh, by the end of 2024 mm-hmm. uh, is our goal. So. Uh, You know, we have thousands of people, we have more than 15,000 people that came out to our events uh, last year, and thousands of members engaging with us, both in person and online. So So there's a real need, Mm right? This is
1: pretty much an an urban phenomenon. I mean, you don't really appeal to uh, towns and villages, right?
2: Generally, yeah. We do, though we see people drive in from outside the city centers. I, I remember when I was first getting involved with Dallas, we had someone that would drive uh, from Tyler right which is about no an hour or more away no right and so people would drive in for this because there wasn't something similar um, in in their town so there's there's really a yearning for community that can also speak to all this time that we're spending right. yeah. in the workplace
1: but but the common experience is the fact that these people have a job
2: yeah, sort of or 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 really want to work, right? Yeah, yeah, work, <laughs> right. Unemployed, they're not is living for work. in the basement
1: yeah. of their parents,
2: watching wow. a lot of television. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can get into the demographics. There is a little bit of that, but yeah, maybe. But just
0: I think a little bit about the organization, real quick, yeah, yeah. is um, So, what does it look? Like? You guys meet weekly, monthly.
2: Generally, we we meet monthly, okay. so there's a similar experience in all of our chapters, and okay. that's another differentiator with YCP is that you get access to a local community. Okay. So you're you're connecting within your city in a deeper way. But we know that these generations coming behind us are highly mobile. They're moving for work, they're traveling, they're moving their families around. And so they can plug into YCP increasingly wherever they land, especially when you think of university students Mm -hmm. leaving. A lot of them are going to get dropped into a city where they've got a new job, little to no connection. And especially if they came out of institutions like Franciscan or the University of Dallas, they care deeply about their faith but they've got to start from scratch to build that Catholic community.
1: Right, right, right.
2: So an organization like YCP, and there are others as well, but in the professional sense, YCP can give them a community of faithful that are also getting started in their careers that can help guide them. Uh, So they they come together, practically speaking, at least monthly, and then we have programs built on top of that that they can access either in-person or virtual mentorship. Average
0: size of the chapters?
2: Um, You know, at least a couple of hundred people coming to events every month. Um, So uh, you know, we have free programming you can take advantage of to get started, like our monthly speaker series, happy hours. We have uh, once or twice a year, St. Joseph the Worker, uh, retreats, St. Joseph is our patron. We'll have have to talk about him a little bit more as well. 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 So, um, And then we have a mentorship program, which is one of the anchors of the membership experience. So imagine really successfully formed Catholics that want to invest one-on-one yeah. in guiding a young that's professional. So uh, it's not as
1: if people sign on because of the happy hour, right? It's no. the faith formation, the fellowship, something that anchors them uh, yeah. to a communal life of uh, religious
2: experience. The happy hours are interesting because it brings people in who wouldn't necessarily come I into see. an right, event right, right. That's that's what that is spirit- solely spiritually focused and takes place, let's say, in a parish setting. Sure. So Peter you know, 10 years ago, would not have come right. to a young adult group, right? Yeah. In my immaturity and my faith, I was avoiding that. Right. But yeah. I would come to a happy hour.
1: yeah.
0: And so in We'd that sense,
2: that. it reached right. me, yeah. right? And it brought me in. But then I'm getting this formation. I'm getting exposed to the faith at the yeah. same time. First so the I, party, I think it's, it's one of the really the cool things about YCP. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, well put. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, So, but I do think so much is driven by that feeling of belonging. Mm-hmm. And, and we've, we believe so deeply in that, that we actually just renamed and retooled our whole membership offering, and it's literally called Belong, okay. because it's such a critical and central element for young people today is that feeling often of being disconnected, of lonely, especially coming out of the last couple of years and, and COVID and reading, all that. Reading through a lot
0: of your materials, the thing that came to my mind was community. So belonging, I mean, there's just an yeah. underlying current to that idea of community. So, uh, we invite you to stay with us. There's much more that we'll be discussing.
4: Let's hear from other voices at Franciscan University of Steubenville.
2: I really try to bring faith into every position that I administer in on campus within leadership and student life by really allowing God to perforate my life with truth and offer any virtues so that I might be able to best administer with charity to every single person that I come by.
4: Walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. You'll explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage in the Holy Land, Poland, France, Austria, Italy, and more destinations. Find out more at franciscan.edu slash pilgrimages.
2: My role model is actually my youth minister from high school. I had a couple, but mainly Pat is the one that struck me the most because he was like a father figure to me, but he also knew Jesus on a really deep level that connected with me because he was somebody that has a big personality, which I kind of do at times as well, but he knew how to balance it and always redirected people back to Jesus instead of keeping the focus on himself. And so he could be productive when he needed to, but interruptible at the right times.
0: Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We're discussing young adults and work and what kind of stereotypes are true or not true. Um, there's a subtle attitude now that young people don't really want to work, or if they want to work, they just want to be at home, they want to do what they want to do, everything kind of w- revolving around them. Is that true? Is it your experience? How do we combat something like that?
2: Well, I think uh, that's one of the easier things to latch on to, especially in this kind of recent post-COVID world when everyone had to go home, and now some people who may never have been exposed to it uh, really like it, right? So I think there is a component of that. I also think, though, that there's this component of a real call to excellence, e- even maybe aside from the call to sainthood that we have as right, Catholics, right. that young people today do want, but the world is often not holding them to that standard, right? right? I mean, there's, there's a real... Um, Uh, kind of elevation of mediocrity in the world oftentimes. And so I think there's this other component that when sort of drawn in to living a life excellently, performing work well, being on high performing teams, I think they still want to do that. And I think our members have told us that. I know they have. And so while I do think there's this you know, sense of, I'd rather work from home. You know, I want coffee on tap, right? I want happy hours at noon every day. All these, these kind of things that get talked about a lot. But I think there is a lot more there. I mean, certainly the working atmosphere is shifting dramatically. Yeah. And Peter,
0: I think you're really tapping into something is that we, we live in an age, I think largely that the culture has bought into that stereotype. And because of that, really don't challenge them. I love what the Holy Father John Paul said in Christi Fidelis Leci when he says, there's a special call to young people because they're zealous, they're dreamers, yes. they believe. And, and I think that's mm-hmm. what you guys want to try to tap into, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And I think this, this challenge to young people, mm-hmm. um, you know, through YCP especially, but I mean, ultimately, Jesus challenged us to do this, right, 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 is to live a life of excellence, live a life with such a high bar that we're striving for sainthood. You know, be perfect as the heavenly, as, as my heavenly father is perfect, right? No,
3: I was just spending time recently with a, a fellow up in New York, and he uh, he has good doctrinal formation, and he also has a spiritual life that's, you know, flourishing, um, but he works from home, and he has since COVID, and it's now been, you know, three or four years or three years. But the uh, the interesting thing is, he has no sense of vocation. I mean, he works for, you know, a big company from home. And he realizes that it's sort of enclosed, yeah. but it's convenient.
0: Yeah,
2: And it's- he
3: describes how convenient, you know, he gets to choose when he goes to mass and all of the other things, you know, it's all at his fingertips. Yeah, And yet you can also hear him admit that it's a sort of bad social situation. Mm-hmm. And so, when you mentioned that Young Catholic Professionals adds to the spiritual and the doctrinal, this idea of vocation, that you are called to something from God, mm-hmm. and it is involves work, and that work is holy, but that work is something that also involves others. Yes, And you've got to break out of that kind of Catholic bubble and enter into the world and recognize that your work can be sanctified, but it can also be very apostolic. And so this is what, you know, I was encouraging my friend to do to step out, you know, not necessarily to find another job, but to find or to discover that sense of professional vocation, Mm -hmm. where through your work, you're going to have this social network that you're going to be able to be an apostle in and share all that you're learning and growing in.
1: I I, I like that phrase, uh, Scott, about bursting the Catholic bubble and entering into the world with a kind of evangelical spirit. Mm -hmm. But you're up against a larger bubble, it would appear, and that's a bourgeois bubble, which pretty much encompasses most young people today. Notoriously, they, they appear to be passive, fragile, Uh, they're snowflakes, they're easily triggered, they don't like to be challenged. I mean, this is the definition of bourgeois Christianity, as as Pope Benedict uh, uh, told us. Uh, A comfort zone, Uh, nothing can penetrate to that. You don't want to place demands upon yourself. The heroic life is always off limits. You might read about it and and watch uh, uh, movies about it, like Top Gun. But that's not for me. I'd rather remain uh, nestled, uh, nurtured by my parents uh, in the cellar, uh, where every need is instantly gratified. I mean, how do you explode that? You you need a stick of dynamite to get them out of the cellar. And how do you do that?
2: Well, I think a lot of it's peer-to-peer, frankly, because a lot of parents that we interact, parents of YCP-aged folks, would come to us and say, oh, my... My son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, nephew, niece, they need to come to YCP. And our encouragement is always, well, please invite them, right? But fairly less often are they actually going to come when a parent suggests it. But when a peer suggests it, someone who you already have some kind of relationship with, that's powerful. And I think that's along the lines of the dynamite that you're looking for. So, again, that power of evangelization that, that you were talking about, You know, the church gives us that, you know, that mantle that we take on to to know our faith and share the gospel in all corners of the world. But I think we have to encourage people to be bold and courageous to do that, especially early in their life, earlier in their life, than they may feel Mm -hmm. confident enough to do so. We don't have to wait. Until you have multiple terminal degrees for you to talk about Catholic faith, right? Because most of us are never going to have that, right? And even That's when
0: you important. do, <laughs> it do as many people are going to yeah. listen, right? Yeah. But, but speak to that because some of the <clears throat> your materials speak to that 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 there is something about Israel was the youngest, you know, that they that God chooses the young people mm-hmm. because they're young, right? Because so, what's unique about that? What is it that? that you think the young person, as a young person, has to offer to the world of work, the world of the professional world?
2: Well, there's an energy and a zeal there. They don't have, uh, I say they, I'm not too far out of that I range, get it. But, I get it. but they don't yet have the kind of wounds of the world yeah. that you have once you get older, right? Yeah. When You, you get, get into your you know, 30s, mostly 40s, yeah. 50s, right? Yeah. And so they have this optimism, generally speaking, Mm -hmm. that I think would allow them with some confidence and some understanding, you know, teaching of their faith, to be able to go out and totally transform the world, right? And the saints are so often really young, right? When they're doing the the most powerful things that we've seen in the history of the world. So that youth, that energy, if it can be harnessed and cultivated, I mean, this is where the real power of change yeah. can come. And, and the great
1: sadness, I think, is that even among these young people, you find that they're every bit as jaded as, as the adults. They can be. But for the most part, they have a freshness. Yeah. Uh, they have a spirit, an idealism.
2: I think hunger. there's also still a chance to turn it around. Right they can still experience the good, yeah. right? And
0: isn't that what you experienced the first night you went to the meeting and there was 200 people? There was something about that vibrancy that really attracted Absolutely. you. And that's what stirred well, this, it was this piece electric. of dynamite, right? Yeah. That yeah. dynamite that you mm-hmm. you always talk about, right? Yeah. That's what really kind of blew it up in your own world. And what you're saying is that YCP wants to do that across the board in culture and really in, in lighting something. Absolutely. New. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, I think your movement is really the answer to the question, what do I do now that I've left this hothouse? Of, of Catholic culture. I, I think of this university, this city on the hill. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm done. They've kicked me out. I've got my degree. What the hell do I do now? I have to witness to the faith. And yet the world conspires to rob me of that yeah, vigor, right, that right, vibrancy, right, right. to kill that instinct to, to be yeah. holy and, and to set fire to the world. I mean, if they fall into a group like the one that uh, uh, you are uh, organizing, there, there may be hope. There, there may are be absolute, a future. I
2: mean, we, we talk about this often in light of all the headlines, in light of all the statistics that we're all aware of, even those within the church, you know, belief in the Eucharist, things like this. There is still an immense amount of hope, and I'm naturally an optimistic person, but even those who aren't naturally optimistic, I think, have a lot to hope for. And we see this through people coming back to the church through YCP, people learning to re-engage with the faith that has long been lost coming back to the sacraments. Because, you know, my experience was that I now had a language. I had this sort of new language by which I could live my faith. that interacted with a major part of my life that I was investing in, in my work life, my professional life.
3: You know, when you speak about the mobility of young people, that's obvious. I mean, when they graduate, they quickly move and not necessarily back home or even someplace where they've been before. You know, it can be slightly bewildering when you move to an entirely new town. You find a parish, but most parishes aren't thriving communities. and so. It, it's been said of the millennials and now the post-millennials that it's always easier not to do something than it is to do something. Especially when you are doing all of the things that you're required to do. And so you come back to the enclave, you know, and for, for the protection. This is sort of, I think, an extraction movement, you know, <laughs> where you're pulling people out, not only of the new situation, but you're pulling people out of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of personal exodus, as yeah. it were, because that can become a subtle form of bondage and at the same time i think you are pointing them to the fact that you know you are to work and not just to have friends at work but to make your work as excellent as it can be mm-hmm. you know not just for your resume but for your own character yeah. for your own growth in virtue and you're looking for other people men and women who are driven by the same vision and i can't help but wonder if even the most secular companies we will find it hard to ignore that. You know?
2: <laughs> well, it's interesting because there's so much even in the secular business world around values, right? Right. And, uh, you know, whether the values are aligned or not is one conversation. But, you know, there, there is still this sense that, millennials, my generation and and beyond, that that they want to work for organizations that stand for something. Now, Mm -hmm. we, as Catholics, can't just avoid the institutions that don't stand for what Catholics stand for. Um, But we're called to go, some of us at least, are called to go out and be leaven in those situations. And so they need backup, and they need teaching, and they need people to guide them and navigate that experience.
0: I had an experience recently (laughs) in Washington where somebody approached me. and. he he had hired a couple of Francis University students, and it was a wonderful compliment. He he talked about the faith. That was fine, the faith, and but he said they work. He said that they pull up their sleeves and they work. Yeah, and that was really you know I, I always loved the appreciation, of the conference or the compliments about the faith of our students and the virtue of our students, but there was something about his work for work, and and, mm-hmm. and you talk about that. I saw a little video that you did at t- one time, and also in your marketing is that there's something actually holy about work as yeah. such. You use a quote by John Newman about work, for work's sake. So, okay. maybe speak to that, and, and how do you encourage that, and and how does young Catholic professionals encourage that? Work is work.
2: Well, we we talk a lot about vocations. You know, during the Mass, we always pray for vocations, right? And oftentimes, it's for religious vocations, which is important, and we need to be focused on that. And then, we often talk about our vocation to marriage, you know, our primary vocation after our universal call to holiness. Most of us are called to get married. Um, and then we rarely or less often talk about that, that secondary vocation, that real need to identify what is my influence, my mark that I can help make on the world in all humility using the skill set that I have or am building and the places and people that I'm interacting with. The way I'm engaging with civic life, the way I'm engaging with work, with my friend groups and with my family. And so I think work is such a major part of our lives that we have to grapple with how sending emails or, you know, filling out spreadsheets or these really fundamental things that many of us are doing. It matters and it can be an offering. It can be a way through which every moment of my day can be oriented towards God, even if I'm doing work that I hate. Yeah. It can still be for good, right? Oh, Especially God. if you're doing work that you hate. I mean, it's it, very—it could be very sanctified. It, yeah, it is. Right? It is true with that, the right mindset. Yeah, that's right. man approach. cannot
1: live uh, on bread alone, but he can't live without it. Exactly. And somebody has to bake the bread, and that's good in itself. It, it's not time wasted. It's mm-hmm. not really a distraction. It's a way of defining yourself, fulfilling yourself. And you made the point that. Jesus, who lived 33 years, spent most of those years working as a carpenter. I mean, I don't think he regarded that as a waste of time. Indeed.
0: Indeed. And one of the things you were talking about, Peter, that that I'm excited about the university, we've we've started what's called a personal vocation. But to get at that very issue, yes, the Lord calls us to be holy. most people are called to be married, but now what? You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. the rich young man, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And for the vast majority yeah. of people, it's going to be out there and, and help. I think the university's responsibility is to help an individual discover what that is.
2: Exactly, yeah. and there's a lot of practical implications of that, right? You, Especially when you look at liber, you know, liberal arts institutions that are giving this wonderful education, this foundational education. How can we help position them so that they have some actual skill sets or at least knowledge of the types of skill sets that come naturally to them that that fit into the world. Every individual is different in that. Exactly. Great.
0: Uh, Stay with us. We'll have more with Franciscan University Presents.
2: Christian Students and Free Enterprise, which is also known as CSFE, um, it's all about bringing business and theology together. We want to show that these two Things don't have to be pitted against each other like they so often are. So we have a lot of different teams within CSFE, and each team deals with a specific part of business, but then they also incorporate a specific part of the faith as well. So overall, in this role as president, I want to use my faith to help to guide other people also in their faiths to show them the merit of it all in the business world.
0: Welcome back, and thank you for joining us. You're watching Franciscan University Presents, which we record here in the ComArt Studio at Franciscan University in Steubenville. Our students are operating all of the cameras, all the equipment, and our theology professors Dr. Regis Martin and Dr. Scott Hahn and I are speaking with Peter Blute, who is the Chief Operating Officer of Young Catholic Professionals, about young adults, uh, their work environment, their faith. Um, We ended the last segment talking about the nature of work and the the goodness and the beauty that is work. Um, it seems to me St Joseph probably has something to
2: say to us about this, right? <laughs> a little something. Okay, let's, he actually let's... has nothing to say directly. Yeah, that's right, but that's through right. his actions. But what he does <laughs> that's actually a great that's a great. Yeah, insight. I mean here's so St Joseph the worker that particular under that title is our patron of young Catholic professionals and you know I have uh, sort of never before really interacted with St Joseph until I came to YCP and and got to really know him and he has so much to tell us about work. I mean here firstly is a simple carpenter. He wasn't doing anything fancy, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't a big shot. He wasn't going to be well known outside of probably the streets where people interacted with him or his town, right? But here he was day in and day out performing work for the good of his family, for uh, his way of of sort of sanctifying his life to God. And then you start to think about him teaching Jesus. And you think about the practical ways in which he was going to actually be he, he had to teach Jesus how to be a woodworker, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. right? And so there's this, I mean, just the, the, the all the depictions of him, you know, using a wood plane, yeah. right, and teaching Joseph how to make whatever it was, furniture, whatever. No, it's it was. A, it's a, an astonishing, I mean, such an amazing, paradox. simple image it's of pretty work,
1: staggering. I mean, right? here's Jesus who cobbled together the entire cosmos, yeah. Yeah. and he's listening to his dad Joseph teach him how to pick up a nail yep. uh, and a piece of wood yeah. and make a connection. He doesn't know anything about that. Yeah. You know, it's it's also the case that
3: Joseph has a, a line of nobility, the Davidic dynasty. So, he could have easily fallen into that way of thinking, you know, this is beneath my dignity. No, his work (laughs) was his dignity, you know. Yeah, exactly. And though he doesn't speak a single word of the Gospels, you know, as the son of Jacob, as the carpenter, that he invited, he, you know, he asked Mary to marry him, you know, he said yes to the angel who said, don't leave her. Yeah. You know, he said, Jesus will be your name. Let's go to Egypt, you know. So, his actions speak louder than words but you also recognize that here is the man who was created by God and selected to apprentice the son of God, Mm -hmm. now that he's the son of man. He's also described as the son of Joseph, the carpenter. And so, you know, for 30 years, get on with redemption, will you? (laughs) And I think our Lord would turn and Joseph too, we are. We're redeeming the world for 30 years, not just the last three and not alone. It's with Joseph, it's with Mary, obviously, But it really is through the labor, but also the collaboration with other people that he had to work with. And there were probably some as good as Joseph, some better. And so he's going to learn from all of them. But St. Joseph, the worker, really is the single most inspiring figure for men Mm -hmm. who have to recognize that I'm going to be made a saint for eight hours a day, every day, except
0: Sunday. I just like the image of uh, uh, St. Joseph who worked and didn't talk. There's something about that that I would appreciate. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about the workplace, though. I mean, dealing with alumni all over is is that they find themselves oftentimes in environments on one level that are just really anti-gospel, um, woke. Um, how is is part of your your ministry is to help them navigate that, and and how does a person of faith live in a sec, because the vast majority are working in secular fields, as you said. Is that part of that? I mean, practical, concrete things about how do we navigate that?
2: Yeah, that's actually one of the primary things, is that we have to take it from the theoretical to the practical. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also something that young people especially need. Uh, You know, millennials and and Gen Z coming after them uh, really like to have a roadmap. They like things spelled out. I'm speaking obviously course, broad generalizations, but they like to have the, the steps set out, right? And it's not a straight line as we know, but what do I do next, right? And so a lot of it is what is the guidance from the more experienced executives who can say, you know, what is it like to have to grapple with these different ideologies in the workplace that are being oftentimes forced down on them? Yeah. And what are these small ways That we can maintain our own dignity as people and as believers of Christ. And then when there is those little tiny openings where we can share our faith, or maybe if we're really bold, broader ways, what are some of the practical ways we can do that? I mean, our speakers talk about just, are you praying before you go into a meeting, right? Before you go into a presentation, before you have an important conversation. And then as they grow into positions where they may actually be managing people eventually, um, what is it like to hire and to fire as a Catholic,
0: right? To fire as a Catholic. To fire someone no, as a Catholic. Really, this is an important
2: thing that It we is an important with. thing. How do we how do we develop people on our teams? Um, you well, know, how do we, we treat just, people just with Just a dignity? word on
0: that. There are some people yeah. who would say, well, how could a Catholic if you're being charitable fire somebody? But you who work in the business field know that Unfortunately, that has to happen. And to be able to do that with charity and compassion And it is could really be,
2: it, it, if approached properly, it should be an act of charity. Yeah, it yeah, should yeah. be a desire for the goodness of that person. And so we have these conversations at YCP uh, because these things are, are going to come up if they haven't already. That's the lived experience. And it's really important. And I think that's kind of the connection to the Catholic social teaching Amen. You know, yeah. side of you know, as I, well.
3: I remember being a part of an organization part-time, but I was high up high enough to find out that the CEO was going to fire somebody who I respected, I recognized it wasn't a good fit, but it was going to happen through an email. And I remember thinking, that is just mm-hmm. not right, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I contacted the CEO and I said, you know, I live close enough where I can go out of my way and meet with this person and share the concerns and then let him know the decision. And so uh, you fired him. Yeah, <laughs> I did, but we had wow. a friendship before but we have maintained yeah. a stronger friendship mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah. And uh, I think I stumbled into this. I backed into it you know, just because I saw that's the wrong way. I didn't right. know what the right way was, but I wanted to at yeah, least fake it's, it's it until so, I make it's it. It's
2: so important, though, yeah. um, I, out of respect for the person. Yeah. Right, how exactly. Do, how can we approach it would have crushed it, right? me yeah. Yeah. I, I I think think to be fired.
3: The, the, yeah, the right.
1: conventional understanding of work, I, uh, tell me if I'm mistaken, is that it's just uh, time wasted. You're treading water, and what you really want is to get back onto the beach uh, you know, and, and get some more sun, Uh, but we're supposed to bloom wherever we're planted, and you can't remain in mass all the time because at the end we're instructed, go in peace, the mass is over. And and the the disciples who who gazed in wonderment at Jesus on on the Mount of Transfiguration, afterwards, they they weren't allowed to build the tent. They had to go back down into the valley and witness to the Gospel, to the Word that they had just seen in splendor moments before. So, work is good. I mean, if Mary's going to sit at the foot of Jesus and and feast on His his wisdom, Martha has to get busy making a few sandwiches in the kitchen because they've got to be fed. We, we live in the body and the body is good. It's not just, uh, it's not downtime uh, yeah. that you spend uh, at a job.
2: And I think that message of work is good in and of itself. Amen. Whatever work yep. you're doing, yep. it is good. Yep. Adam and Eve were called first to work in the garden. I mean, yep. it starts at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Before the right? fall, that's right. So that message is not something that the world is in mass communicating, yeah. right? And, 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 the work and was we not have to just, remind people of
3: that. The work was not just gardening, you know, it is subdue the earth. And in Hebrew, kavosh is like, what? It, it's subjugate. It's it's hard work. It's arduous yes. label. You know, it and so be difficult. The it sweat of dry. the brow is part of yeah. the curse, yeah. but it doesn't mean that you would not have been sweating, right. you know, it yeah. wouldn't have exactly. been vanity. What would, would, be, would it be, would it be
0: the frustration with it or the the angst, that's the part that was… Exactly.
3: Was right. okay And okay. also the, un, the the lack of productivity, but, you know, to subdue the earth, the same verb is used to conquer the promised land. Mm. And so, you're really working to conquer heaven.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so, it can be very hard, it can be difficult, it can be stressful at times, it can be overwhelming at times. And there is a balance um, of this, right? But I think an integrated life yeah. will embrace that right. and, and But sort I I of think we to have forth. to we have
1: to keep the distinctions intact. At the end of the day, the contemplative life is really superior to the active life. I mean Joseph Pieper's famous book Leisure, The Basis of Culture, is not about work. It's not about productivity, functionality, it's about leisure, about wasting time prodigiously. Play, prayer, sport, reading, love. That's not work. But we are, I think, condemned to work because of the fall, what Milton described as a long day's dying to augment our pain. It was easy for Adam and Eve to tend that garden before the fall. But once they were ejected uh, from Eden, it was hard and bitter agony. But we have to embrace it. And by embracing it, I think we're able to transform it. It becomes an occasion for grace. We grow in holiness Mm -hmm. if we if, you know, if we sort of plunge with a certain sense of resolute purpose into the pain of work. I, I don't know about you, Scott, but I actually look forward to Monday morning. I love to teach, but it's work. It, I mean, <laughs> you, you can't—you have to prepare. You can't wing it, and that's At the same worked. time, the contemplative
3: life is not passivity. Right. It's an interior <laughs> in activity case, was, yeah. that is yes. not identical, yeah. that, that's not mm-hmm. to be confused with activism or the lack of action, yeah. you know. So, we sort of, in, you know, associate action with activism. Yeah. You know, uh, The Soul of the Apostle, one of my favorites, yeah. is, is always warning against that kind of activism that just dries you up interiorly. Right, yeah. And so, while we recognize the the, the superiority of the contemplative life, yeah. we also recognize that. You know, most of us are called to marriage. Most of us are called to work. But it's not just work as it was before the fall. It's work after the fall with all of the, va- the frustration, the futility, the anxiety. I think we have to take that into account as well because then suddenly the sweat, the frustration, all of these factors also contribute to our sanctification. So yeah. it isn't as though you know Saint Joseph was just gliding over all of the projects, you know, just <laughs> touching these. No, I mean, again, he got splinters, he you know, there. yeah, yeah exactly. and he had he had co-workers who were probably really jerks, yeah. you know, and, cus- and he was cus- sanctified customers through, through them. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, all of that was right. going
2: to be the case, right? Was the case? I think also just speaking to uh, kind of the the cult the work culture today, there's this real drive towards entrepreneurialism, yeah. and you talk about leisure and and. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about some of the, the generalities of uh, young people working today, but I think there's a lot of people, especially beyond COVID now, that are starting their own uh, endeavors, right, are starting their own companies. and. Part of that drive is to sort of live a life where they have a little bit more control over what they're doing when, and it's maybe less of the traditional structure of the work day or the work week. And so, I mean, we know entrepreneurialism is on the rise right now, mm-hmm. just the number of new companies that are being yeah. started in the United States. So I think there may be a little bit of that desire sure. to, to kind yeah. of balance yeah, it, a but still to work yeah. hard.
0: Peter, how right. about just to say a word about that, because um, we've started an entrepreneurial program at the university. But it's intimately connected with the sense of mission, and I think a danger at times is is that we see business entrepreneurs simply making money, Mm -hmm. and it has to be more than that, doesn't it? It has to be more than just money. It's it's mission, it's vision, it's bringing people. Especially as people
2: people of faith. That's what I mean. It has to to be. It has to be more. Yeah, I mean. we get to meet a lot of business owners, whether they're within larger corporations or you know startups, the whole range. and I, I think the the ones that um, have really struck me are the ones whose business, the practical efforts of their business are almost ancillary to taking care of the people right, that are part yeah. that are running the business, right? And I think that in it is an example of a way in which a business and work is elevated. If it becomes a way to employ people, to help support and be part of their families, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to provide goods and services in a really excellent way to people who need them, right? And to do so with love and out of relationship with them, and not just transactional right. nature right. of yeah. the relationship. Yeah. You, you so think I think you start to bring some of these things into it as people of faith, right? And it's really it can color our work in a whole new way as as Catholics versus just the bottom line. I'm I'm
1: thinking of Robinson Crusoe. He's left on that island and he has to work hard if he's gonna survive. But I think it would have been easier uh, if Friday had arrived sooner so that they could work together. I mean, you were talking about a kind of corporate culture inside the office. The work you do must be inclusive of others who are also working. You're not doing it alone.
2: Exactly, yeah, working in community. Yeah, it's so important. And
0: isn't that part of how, if the society is going to be transformed, it's because of that. It's because those who may don't, don't believe are encountering young Catholic professionals who live with virtue and stand for something and, and be led into a world that desperately needs it.
4: Exactly.
2: Amen. Being out there in the marketplace to engage with the world right. as yeah. people of faith. Amen.
0: Uh, stay with us. Uh, our last section, we'll talk, our panelists will give final thoughts as we talk more about being young Catholic professionals in the church and the world today. Stay with us.
2: I think being a young Catholic leader after Franciscan means having an intentionality towards people and seeing the person and the good the intrinsic good that they are, and then also a total confidence in God. And so what does that mean? It means that in any endeavor that we expect that God will bring the best possible good out of it. So whatever we're doing, uh, we know that any difficulties, any trials are always ordered towards our good.
1: There is a place where education begins and faith and reason connect. Franciscan University of Steubenville's online programs will advance your career through an e-learning experience that's both academically excellent and passionately Catholic with online degrees taught by full-time professors in theology, catechetics, business, education, and other disciplines. You can earn your master's degree online without changing your lifestyle. Find out more today at franciscan.edu where your faith and career can connect online.
0: Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've come to our final segment. Regis, your final thoughts?
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, the, the many uh, resonating uh, uh, thoughts that uh, I, I had that the conversation generated was this need to belong, this communal dimension that, that really you can't leave out of, uh, of the equation because man is a being. Uh, in relation to other beings, family, friends, co-workers, God. Uh, We don't stand alone. Uh, David Craig, a a colleague of mine who recently retired, wrote a collection of poems called The Cheese Does Not Stand Alone. Mm -hmm. We stand in relation, or we go to hell alone, but we go to heaven together. And I was reminded of of a study uh, that Emil Durkheim had done at the turn of the last century. It was on suicide, and one of the discoveries that people have made over the years is that most of the people who leap off the the, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge are pointed west. They're headed in the direction of the unknown, against, away from community. And Durkheim, in doing his study on suicide, stumbled upon a word, a term, which he called anomie, a sense of being rootless, uprooted, Mm. derationated is is the French derivative term. And that's what we face, loneliness, that's the real killer, the sense of not belonging to anyone, not to God, not to my family, my friends. I'm I'm this solipsist, supremely alone, you know, conducting this endless self-centered search. And it doesn't satisfy. It ends in frustration. And if you persist in that, the frustration becomes infernal. It becomes uh, eternal. And I think this movement that you're part of is a way to assuage that need to belong, that sense of, of community, of being cemented uh, in something larger than myself. And, and that's all to the good. Yeah. Thank you, Regis. Scott.
3: I went back to my alma mater recently. and. Uh, just reconnected with a lot of old friends. And I was reminded of how uh, 45 years ago, I was a triple major, economics, philosophy, and theology. And this guy who barely made it into college set up this entrepreneurial program. So that in 78 and 79, a few of us went around and visited the CEOs of U.S. Steel, Alcoa, Westinghouse. And we spent like two or three hours before and after lunch. And it was really exciting not only to see them exercising leadership but also for them to share life lessons and the values and the virtues and all of that but invariably without an exception when we would leave they would say you give me hope you know and (laughs) it was an interesting synergy for me because even though i didn't go into economics i mean my first publication on the outcome of income tax was an economics journal but it gave me the sense that whatever your work is you know, there is a sense of apostolic adventure that is often referred to as entrepreneurial. And you don't have to be an extrovert. When I took Myers-Briggs, I was a borderline introvert, actually. And so, I just sense that the thing that you're doing, along with thousands of others, is not only important, but exciting. The only concern I, well, I have two concerns. One, you know, through St. Jose Josemaria's uh, sermon in St. Joseph's workshop, I think that call to work, the call to achieve excellence in your work, as well as strong relations with your coworkers, that has got to be put front and center. I just think that's what's missing. Mm. It's almost nowhere else, you know, but this has to be retrieved. But the other thing I, I believe is that you're going to have to adjust the name because young Catholic professionals, <laughs> you're going to reach, you know, people who are going to achieve their 45, 50, <laughs> I'm 65, you know. And it's going to have to be middle-aged Catholic (laughs) professionals as well as senior Catholic professionals. So be flexible with that label. Scott likes to belong. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, you are always, always invited to come be part of YCP. Final thoughts, Pete? I I think ultimately it's really a call to engage, right? You've both talked about hope and belonging. And uh, we are called as Catholics to engage and to be bold and be courageous. And so through YCP, Uh, Our challenge is really to engage with the culture, to form ourselves, to be involved and committed to our families and our friends, and committed to our coworkers too, regardless of of faith, Um, but to be leaven in the world. And so for young professionals, I would challenge them to engage and to do so earlier than they may feel ready to. Mm -hmm. And for our our more experienced Catholics, there's a real opportunity to serve and to invest in the next generation, and that there is a need for it, there's absolutely a value in it, and the church needs it. We need great Mm -hmm. role models who are out in the world without being of the world. And so I would just challenge our audience to just embrace that in whatever small ways or large ways they may be called to, uh, and ultimately to uh, rely on the intercession of Saint Joseph
4: at all times.
0: if you'd like to learn more about today's topic, we have a free handout, some selections from John Paul's Apostolic Exhortation, Christe Fidelis Leci, on the vocation and the mission of the lay faithful. This short selection is yours uh, for free by simply going to online to faithinreason.com slash presents or by calling the number we'll provide momentarily. Um, a couple of things that I found myself thinking about is I think a danger is that we we have the holy and the world, and the reality is is that Jesus has sanctified the world. I mean, you use the word engagement. I think that's so important that that Jesus literally engages the world and brings about transformation of the world by his engagement of that. And and it, I think there's something very subtle that that work is unholy, that this is unholy, and the reality is is. Um, we are supposed to sanctify that. We, we as Catholic Christians are supposed to be the means of sanctification of the world through grace. And I remember ta- talking with one of our alumni, he's been profoundly successful in Silicon Valley, and he's very vocal about being pro-life, being pro-traditional marriage, all of these things, the social teachings that we believe in the United States. And, and I asked him one time, I said, why, why don't you get fired? <laughs> I mean, he is really bold. And he said, actually, there's two reasons. Uh, one. I make my company a lot of money. And there was something about that, that he wasn't apologizing for that. But the other is he said, um, and everybody knows that I'm going to treat everyone with charity, with respect, with dignity and they see a value in that. And I think that's what you're trying to get across is, is yeah. be excellent, be the best entrepreneur, be the best business person you can be. You can
2: even make a lot of money.
0: No, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with money, right? Yeah. So and, and I think that that's really just a, such a noble and, and important thing. Lastly, uh, here at the university, I was in a meeting one time. We were trying to cut 1% you know, of a budget, and it was probably the third time we've sat around <laughs> this. And, and I was just frustrated, and I remember I was looking at the San Damiano Cross and just kind of praying and frustrated, and and I said, really, Lord, this this is what you brought me here for. You, you ordained me a priest for this, to talk about this budget. And I sensed the Lord saying to me, yes. It, it it transformed and changed that, that it wasn't just another thing I had to do, it wasn't just a pain in the butt, but it was actually what God had for me, and, and that I think that that's. I think that's what you desire for, for the ministry that you're doing, is that seeing the work, the efforts, the you, used, you said the databases, the spreadsheets, that, that the Lord is present in all of that. And finally, I think that's what St. Francis understood. Francis understood that if, if the temporal order was going to be transformed, it was going to be by men and women who, rather than hiding from the world, were actually going to engage it and bring about transformation of the temporal order from the inside. And it seems that, that the ministry that you're a part is exactly what they're trying to do. So we're very, very grateful for your time. Amen. We look forward to having you come back to the campus again.
2: Well, thank you so much. So
0: let's ask the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that is work and the gift that you've given to us in being faithful to you. Lord, may we, in whatever small effort we do, bring about the sanctification of the world. The Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Amen. Thank you for being.
4: Download a free handout on today's topic at faithandreason.com presents. You can also watch past episodes of Franciscan University Presents or request the handout by emailing us at presents at franciscan.edu or reach us by phone for today's handout by calling 800-783-6447. That's 800-783-6447.